This is Tyler Lancaster, and you're listening to Outside the Tundra with Josh Frey-Sam. Rodgers gets the snap, blitzes on, Rodgers scrambles He's left, winds up, rainbow. He's got Cobb in the 10 to the 5, yes! to the end zone, touchdown! Throws the left sideline, intercepted, down the sidelines, Tremont Williams into the clear, to the 40, to the 30, to the 20. He turned 32 yesterday, does he have a vintage moment in In the end zone, it is caught for the win! Richard Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. And there is your dagger! And now, Outside the Tundra with Josh Frysack. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to Outside the Tundra. Josh Frysam here. Wow. What a show. Hey, we made it to the NFL draft after we got through free agency. And just like that, like every single year, it's gone in seemingly a blink of an eye. This year was a little bit more interesting than uh, previous years as as uh, cheeseheads or a little bit more rocky, I guess we'll say. Obviously, the big news that dominated not only Title Town but uh, the entire NFL for this uh, for this entire three day event was uh, the Aaron Rodgers rift with the Packers front office reaching its dramatic pinnacle. Guys, I'm going to this is a draft recap episode, so. I think I would be a little bit remiss if I didn't at least comment on the Aaron Rodgers situation, so I'm going to do that. But I'm going to do that very quickly um, in hopes that we can just uh, move on and uh, just you know recap the draft. Let's get to the main event of this of this of this uh, episode. So just to touch on the Aaron Rodgers situation, um, I think that obviously everybody had a, a pretty clear understanding that there was the, the relationship was on the rocks, right? That the relationship was rocky. Uh, obviously, weren't seen eye to eye, especially with Jordan Love being drafted last year. Just a draft pick that was definitely an eyebrow raiser. I think that we can all understand uh, being if we are longtime uh, Packers fans, you understand that this is not really anything new for the Packers to do. Uh, we saw high value in Jordan Love, and we decided to move up and grab him. And obviously, the Green Bay Packers did not think that Aaron Rodgers was going to have an MVP-type uh, season or an, an MVP-type season the rest of his career, for that matter. So they were looking forward to the future, and, and they saw value in, in making that move at that point, which can't really hate them for that. Um, but obviously Aaron Rodgers did have an issue. Now, what, what I did want to comment on you guys was, uh, I, I'm, was a little bit confused when, when I saw this, when I saw this news drop, I'm, I'm not the type to see news and then just do an immediate reaction that because too many people do that. And you see comments like Aaron Rodgers is being selfish and people are already turning on our quarterback, a guy that it might be the greatest player to ever put on a Packers jersey. People just turned on him as soon as they saw these reports about him forcing the Packers' hand and uh, forcing the front office hand, getting them to choose between him or the general manager Brian Gutekunst or him and Jordan Love or you know, or, or, or just telling his teammates he's not going to be returning to the Green Bay Packers organization, right? I, th- I think that for me, when, when I saw this news drop, uh, the first thing that I came up to my came to my mind was it's pretty convenient that this news is dropping on draft day. Hey, like, you know, a mere hours before Trevor Lawrence, hears his name called by the Jacksonville Jaguars. I found that really convenient. And so with that being said, I don't think I, I, I do think that there is truth to these reports for sure. 
Um, but at the end of the day, I think we need to understand that although Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport or whoever your source is, all these insiders, although they are reporting a lot of the time the facts, they're at the end of the day reporting things that they hear. They're hearing what what they're reporting what they hear from their sources. So so there's a lot of speculation is what I'm trying to get at. This doesn't mean that everything that Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter have tweeted uh, about Aaron Rodgers is true. Now, there is truth to it, obviously. I, I, I firmly believe that. But for me to sit back and, and, and just think, okay, really of all days, Aaron Rodgers decided to come out on draft day and say that, you know, make up your mind or, or I'm out. You know, I'm not returning. Like that's, that's qu- quite a stretch for me. You know, I think that what what I can attribute this to is the Packers just or, or or whoever it was that dropped it. This is draft day shenanigans for me. This this got out. This got into the wrong person's hands and somehow got out and it leaked. And Aaron Rodgers commented on that. You know, the Mike the Mike Tirico, um, I guess interviewer you want to call it whatever the the Mike Tirico report from day three here that that just dropped talks about how Aaron Rodgers like what the body language he got from Aaron Rodgers and and what he got from Aaron Rodgers was that. He was really disappointed that the the conversations that they've had even got out of that they leaked. And so that to me, you guys, says that Aaron is wanting to work through this. He is willing to work. He didn't, if he wanted this to get out, he would have had it get out. And he would have truly forced the Packers front office's hand. You know, he would have purposely done that. But based on what Aaron Rodgers is saying, saying uh, and and what his body line, at least through his Mike Tirico report um you know it sounds like Aaron does want to come back to the Packers it's just that obviously he is very frustrated he is you know done holding it in I know that he was a little bit passive aggressive at times throughout the regular season in in 2020 over the Pat McAfee show and stuff like that but but now he is just obviously explicitly you know coming out and saying listen I'm not happy with the situation here you know you, you guys you guys drafted my replacement at a time where it just was seemingly really inappropriate to draft my replacement. You guys made a bad decision here and I want you guys to to fix it, right? That That's kind of what I have to say on it. I think that just at the end of the day, for me personally, I'm not making a reaction on this because there's just something missing for me in this in, in this story. There's, there's a piece somewhere here that is not making sense. Like, well, why does it just come out during draft time? You know, why... Why are all these different reports, why are all these different stories all of a sudden? How is everybody able to get access to all these different stories now at draft time? There's someone leaking something, and, and for me, it's just draft day shenanigans at the end of the day. And, and so I, you know, don't have to take my word for it. Obviously, I'm just another fan at the end of the day. But there is absolutely zero doubt in my mind that Aaron Rodgers will be back in a Packers uniform this year. You know what? I shouldn't even say in a package uniform. I don't know if he's going to sit out. I don't know if he's going to retire. But there is no doubt in my mind that Aaron Rodgers will not be in another uniform this year. I do not think they will trade him. There's no chance. If if you are the Packers front office, you go to Aaron Rodgers and you let him know. You can sit out. You can retire. You can do whatever you want. But we are not trading you. That is that is, We are not doing that. Is a la- You are... One of the greatest to ever do it. You are still playing at an elite level. There is no way in hell I am dealing you. So 
for, force his hand at the end of the day, right? That's obviously not a relationship that you want to build, but but it's just one of those things where, you know, it, it, you're either going to play for us or you're not going to play at all. That that's your that's your decision, and that that's my personal take on it. Um, love Aaron, but but I just think that as fans, we need to look at this objectively. I think we need to take a step back and just say, huh, like does this all really add up? And to me, it doesn't. So. Let's sit back. Let's let's see what happens here. I I truly believe Aaron until Aaron is not at training camp or he is not at the preseason or 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 suiting up for us for week one. There is absolutely no reason for me to believe that Aaron Rodgers won't be uh, our quarterback in 2021. With all that being said, let's put that behind us. Let's move on to the draft recap, you guys. What a fun fun three days it has been as Packers fans. I tweeted out on our on on the outside tundra. Um, Twitter page that I don't know how you could be entering day three at least I don't know how you could be upset with what the Packers were doing in the draft I mean this was this was incredible nine picks made over the three day over the three day draft four defense five offense four of those nine picks were in the trenches so on the offense the defensive side of the ball offensive defensive line two of those picks were in the secondary which was awesome because I think cornerback especially after the NFC championship game was on a lot of people's minds as uh, an area of need and Brian Gutekunst even came out after the day three draft uh, ended in his uh, in his press conference and said that offensive line and cornerback were two targets of his so obviously we saw that uh, you know in, in the draft here um, that we 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 addressed the trenches and we draft we addressed the secondary. So that was a really good job by the front office. Uh, here, let me just rattle through our picks here and then I'll break them down afterwards. We went Eric Stokes, the cornerback out of Georgia to start. Uh, the interior offensive lineman, but really a center, Josh Myers out of The Ohio State University. Wide receiver Amari Rogers out of Clemson. A comp- our first compensatory pick, interior offensive lineman, but he's a guard, Royce Newman out of Ole Miss. Then we went to defensive tackle, the interior defensive line, uh, TJ Slayton out of Florida. Our second compensatory pick in the fifth round was cornerback Shamar Jean Charles out of Appalachian State University. Then we went to the back to the interior offensive line, grabbed guard Cole Van Lanen out of Wisconsin, a home body. And then we went to uh, another compensatory pick, our third and final compensatory pick of this draft, linebacker Isaiah McDuffie, Boston College linebacker and then our final pick to wrap things up on day three was running back kylan hill out of mississippi state guys before i break these before i break these uh these picks down what i do want to say very briefly and this is something i tweeted out on my personal twitter account if you do not follow me i, I talk of nothing about football I, it's not uh not specific to the packers on my personal account but it's about the entire nfl this is uh, at jfrysam, J-F-R-E-Y-S-A-M, if you do not already follow me. This is something that I tweeted out. It was the notion that a lot of fans have about drafting for our needs, when in reality, what NFL teams do is draft based on value a lot of the time. Now, sometimes, you know, it, 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 it works out where it's, you know, you hit a need and it's a high value pick, and, and sometimes you do have to draft for need. But you have to understand that what NFL teams do is they have a board, a, a big board, a draft board. And if you follow the draft, well, you you know that term, big board. The big board is essentially, you know, top 50, top 100, top 150 players, even top 200 players, regardless of position uh, in, in the draft. And 
those each of those players have a, a draft grade on them. They have a, you know, whether it be a first round pick, a, you know, a mid first round pick, late first round pick, so on and so forth, second, third, fourth. And when it comes down to the pick that you have, you look at this draft board and you say, okay, who do we have graded at this spot? Or who do we have graded maybe higher than this spot so that we, who we see significant value in at this spot, regardless of position, right? And so a great a, a, a great example of this, what where this happened, was last year, the Dallas Cowboys. Do you think the Cowboys went into the first round thinking that, yeah, we need to go target CeeDee Lamb in this draft? You think the Cowboys? No. They went. They had Amari Cooper. They had Michael Gallup. CeeDee Lamb fell into their lap at, what was it, 17th overall. A high, high, high-valued pick for them sitting there. They they go and take it because that's just a that's just a player you got to have in your offense. That's just a that's a great playmaker, and now they're loaded on the offensive side of the ball. But that's just sometimes how it works out, and that worked out exactly like that last year for the Packers when it came to Jordan Love as well. And that's why I don't necessarily blame the Packers for going out and drafting Jordan Love was and they traded up for him. But in the Packers' eyes, it was a matter of obviously they they saw Aaron Rodgers at his point in his career that he was at they saw him a certain way that's that was obviously a mistake on their part but the other thing was Jordan Love was sliding in the first round as a lot of people expected but the Packers on their board said they they had him as maybe a early to mid first round pick and he was sliding into the late later later in the round so it was a matter of okay listen this guy is tremendous value right now. He plays the most important position in sports, so someone might actually trade up to go get him besides us. Let's go trade up and grab him, you know? And so that's kind of how it's working. And and so the the point of me explaining all this is because I often hear, I often see fans say, well, our biggest need is cornerback, so we need to make sure we go address cornerback early in the draft. Well, it doesn't necessarily always work out like that. And that was kind of the case for the Packers last year with the wide receiver. A lot of people were annoyed people that the Packers didn't go out and draft a wide receiver last year. And it's a matter of, well, what happens if we get to the you know 29th pick this, this year, right? And we want a wide receiver. Well, by that point, I think that the highest rated wide receiver on a lot of people's draft board was Terrence Marshall at that time. What if the Packers had Terrence Marshall as a third round grade? You know, what if he was the next highest receiver on their board and he had like a third round grade on him? At that point, if you're sitting at 29th overall and you're the Packers, according to a lot of people's logic, it was go take Terrence Marshall. Even though you have a third round grade on him, go take him at 29th overall. That That's just, that's just, that's just foolish. You, you don't do, you wouldn't do that. You would go take another player at a different position who provides better value, right? And so in this case, in, in this year's drafts case, we we got we got it was great because we needed a cornerback anyways and Eric Stokes obviously provided significant value at that pick so we went and grabbed him right so I just want to clarify that drafting value versus draft drafting for value versus drafting for needs sometimes and and a lot of time it does work out that you draft for both but we need to make sure that we don't get too upset and we and we trust our front office's draft process you know when they don't just address a need that that is glaring when they don't just immediately address it right there's just it's it's just a, how the draft is working with all that being said let's move on to our our recap of these uh 
uh, of these prospects. I'm going to blitz through this for you guys because I know you guys just want to know at the end of the day, what are we getting in these guys? We start off with Eric Stokes, the cornerback out of Georgia, six foot one, one ninety four, coming in at a, just a very ideal build for a cornerback. Thirty-two and three-quarter inch arms, very, very long player, which is awesome. Very reminiscent of a guy we have on our roster right now, that being Mr. Kevin King, who a lot of people are still pretty upset with, obviously, based on some of the comments I see on social media. Uh, moving on. First thing that jumped off the board for me for Eric Stokes is, and for a lot of people, I think, is just how athletic he is, especially for his size. Like, I mean, this guy can just flat out run at the end of the day. Um, his closing speed, which is so important in the NFL, is very good. Ran a 4.29 40-yard dash at the combine. So this guy, you guys, is just, like I said, just this guy can just flat out run. You know, so now after watching a bit of Stokes tape um, leading up to the draft, because I I, I I prepared for the entire NFL draft, not just for from the Packers standpoint. And actually, maybe a quick advertising break here for myself. If you have not yet, um, if you haven't checked out my 2021 NFL draft kit, if there's any players that you maybe want to get a quick you know, report on. Um, I, I did. A, I, I put together a draft kit for this year's draft. Uh, it's it's in my link tree in my link in my bio um, at J Sam J F R E Y S A M. Again, you can on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, you guys can go check out my draft kit uh, if you guys feel compelled to do so. Um, but again, I watched Stokes tape leading up to the draft as I prepared for it. Um, I like his upside a lot. This is a guy who isn't necessarily going to start for us on day one. Again, great athlete, but I saw him a few times in terms of issues was he got caught flat-footed. And 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 that was kind of a problem. And, and also with him being caught flat-footed was also his hips aren't very fluid. And those are two things that you need as a cornerback is, is obviously quick feet, active feet, and also fluid hips. And that was really resolved for him. That wasn't really a big issue for him at the college level because... He was able, he's just so darn fast. Uh, he's just faster than everybody on the field. He was able to just kind of make that makeup speed that I just finished talking about. He's able to get back in position and make a play happen. But at the NFL level, if you get caught flat footer, you don't have fluid hips. That's when you really start getting into trouble. So for him at this very moment, um, before he is, you know, put into a thrusted into a full time starter role, those are two things that we really need him to work on. Love his compete level. Again, love the build that he's bringing. Um, we figure for him to bookend our secondary Jair Alexander for the foreseeable future. And another reason, uh, last thing I'll say on Eric Stokes' pick here, you guys. Another reason why I love this pick, besides the value that we got for Eric Stokes, was I just talked about how he needs to work on some issues. He can do that. And and, and there's going to be no worries for him to work out these issues. There's going to be no rush for him to work out these issues because we don't need him. We don't need to thrust him into a starting role right away. We don't need him to be an anchor on the defensive side of the ball because, again, we have Jair Alexander. We have Kevin King already uh, there waiting for us. Now, Eric Stokes did play some slot. He did play some nickel at Georgia. So it is possible that Eric Stokes maybe does get some playing time in the nickel package a little bit. Um, but essentially what I project for Eric Stokes this year is him essentially redshirting the year, him just, you know, kind of a lot of practice, a lot of, uh, maybe a little bit, a couple of meaningful snaps for him. But I think that it'd be really important for us to just get him to develop. And then Kevin King is surely, it seems like he's going to be playing his last year in a Packers uniform this year. 
you know, Kevin King can can move on and then we can throw Eric Stokes out outside and Kevin King's spot in 2022. So something to keep in mind. Um, but it is also nice to know that Eric Stokes can shift from nickel and outside. He can play inside or outside for us, depending on what we need. That'll be something to keep an eye on. Uh, moving on to our second pick in this draft. And this is probably my favorite pick of the entire draft, you guys. Josh Myers, the center out of Ohio State University, six foot five. 310 pounds, big boy, 32-inch arms. So actually not the longest arms, but uh, but still a long, big, big boy. Love this pick for the Packers, you guys, and I'll explain why in just a second. But let me give my scouting report of Myers first. Um, what I wrote down after watching tape is Josh Myers has a lot to like on tape. Big boy, but moves really well. Now, for as well as he does move, he's not the best athlete you'll see play center. I saw some plays where he struggled to get to the second level and make a block, or... In the screen game, he was a bit late to the party, if you want to say that. Also, he did struggle at times with missing a couple of blocking assignments or getting them mixed up. So those were a couple of mental errors that he made. Neither of those really concern me greatly, though. I think that we can fix his ability to get to the next level quicker. And the blocking assignments, those are just mental things that we can fix. So the only issue, um, the only glaring issue, I should say, that I saw that kind of worried me on tape was his hand placement. I saw him at times give the old shoulder check, you know, kind of in in, in hockey that you see (laughs) um, with some of the blocks. And he struggled with his hand placement at times, which really put him at a disadvantage because uh, defenders were able to, you know, swipe away his hands or, or, or catch him off balance and, and that they were able to get past him. Um, that was my biggest area for improvement is, is with his hands. With all of that being said, Josh Myers is still a responsible blocker in the run and pass game. Um, I can see why he fell into the second round, no doubt about it. But you really do have to like the potential that you see out of him on tape. This is also another Ohio State University center. And you guys may remember, I hope he hasn't left your minds this quickly, but uh, Corey Lindsley, former center for the Green Bay Packers up until uh, just just this offseason, uh, also attended the Ohio State University. So the last time we took a, an interior lineman here or, or a center from the Ohio State University, it worked out pretty darn well for us. Now, here's why I love this pick so much for us, you guys. Besides the high value we got here for Josh Myers, what he's done now is he's created a camp battle for us. This is going to be one of the big battles for us to watch in the preseason and training camp. Lucas Patrick right now at this very moment, if we were to be playing a game tomorrow, Lucas Patrick would, in my mind, be the starting center for the Green Bay Packers. But Josh Myers, we have to keep in mind, he's a natural center. Um, He could actually end up being a plug-and-play day one starter for us. And, And really, what this has done now has created some flexibility for us on the line. Let's keep in mind, David Bakhtiari is hurt. We also have a hole at right tackle, a glaring hole at right tackle. And what I think, what I would like to see in week one from us, you know, uh, obviously pending that that Myers uh, shows that he has what it takes at the NFL level, he can, he can be thrusted into a starting role right away. What I think that we'll see on week one is Billy Turner at left tackle, John Runyon at, and uh, Lucas Patrick at the guard positions, Josh Myers at the center, and Elton Jenkins at right tackle. And then once David Bakhtiari is back, uh, we can have Bakhtiari, obviously, at his all-pro position, left tackle, John Runyon and Elton Jenkins at the guard spots, Josh Myers at center, and then Billy Turner at right tackle. He'll switch over there, and that's a very solid line in my mind. So I really do think that Myers could be a plug-and-play type player. 
Um, that would, of course, come with growing pains. But as Packers fans, you guys, we know that's the Packers MO, baby, right? We draft, we develop, we get them in, we get them playing early and often, we get them, uh, we, we go through the growing pains with them, but then we, we see them flourish and blossom into tremendous players. That is, we just keep trusting the process. So Josh Myers, probably my favorite pick of this draft. I, I really could see him starting week one. And if he doesn't, at worst, I think he's going to just provide us with some really great depth, um, you know, in his rookie season. And he, and he could make an appearance at some point uh, in, in his rookie season. So um, this is uh, this was really important pick for us as far as the offensive line goes. On to our third pick, Amari Rogers, And this was might be my second favorite pick of the draft. Amari Rogers, the slot wide receiver. This one got a lot of smiles on a lot of people's faces. Five, nine and a half, 212 pounds. And Amari Rogers was like Eric Stokes. Uh, another players that I, another player that I had scouted personally in the lead up to the draft here. Uh, here's what I wrote on Amari Rogers. Um, Rogers is your traditional slot receiver, shorter, but carrying a solid build. Rodgers was used as the joker in Clemson's offense, asked to do jet sweeps, jet motions, and carry the ball out of the backfield along with regular wide receiver duties. Rodgers is a jack-of-all-trades type player that OCs covet in today's NFL. He has strong, reliable hands and the shiftiness to shred the middle of the field. He won't burn past you, but Rodgers will make the tough catches for your team. Because he is so good at so many different things, Rodgers will make an impact from day one in some way even if he's not a regular starter. And last thing I'll say on Amari Rodgers, you guys, is he's going to fill immediately that Tyler Irvin role. We saw just how important, I talked about it in our in our free agency preview episode, um, just how important Tyler Irvin was to our offense. And when he got hurt, um, we saw our offense kind of go through probably the roughest patch that they went through all season. And then we got Tavon Austin, and that uh, you know added a little bit more diversity to our diversity to our to our offensive scheme there once again so Rodgers is going to be able to be used he he has been compared to Randall Cobb already and and you see it on on tape he is going to be able to be that solid set of hands working the middle of the field once again for us so um, love to see that pick Amari Rodgers wide receiver Clemson I think he really is going to have a day one impact for us you guys on to our fourth pick Royce Free, Royce Newman, not Royce Freeman, the running back. Royce Newman, um, out of Ole Miss, six foot five, three hundred and ten pounds, listed as a guard, you guys, but he actually did a line at right tackle for Ole Miss uh, at times. Now this is another big body hog molly uh, type of player. Royce Newman looks to be really good in the run game right now. Great at the point of attack, gets his hands on the defender, vice grip type hands, doesn't get moved around easily. Love to see that. Um, pass blocking is where he has a little bit of development to do. He's a bit slow out of his stance as well. Doesn't really get that kick step going as quick as I would have liked to see. Also plays very top heavy. And what I mean by him playing top heavy is I saw when I was watching tape on Royce Newman, um, I saw on multiple occasions where defenders grabbed him and then pulled, pulled Newman towards him. And then he ended up on the ground. And I hope that makes sense. So they, so they, they reached their hands out you know, put put their hands on his pads and they ripped him back towards them and he ended up on his knees. And and what that tells me is that he has a little bit too much weight, you know, leaning forward. He has a little bit too much weight maybe on the balls of his feet. So what I think that Newman needs to do is maybe fix the the the, the balance, how he balances his weight. Um, and that will really do wonders for him um, at, at the next level. 
the reality is, you guys, is is when we get to this point in the draft, we hope we hope to hit on picks. We hope to hit on every pick, really. But these are some real developmental prospects, right? You know, Newman could be the answer at right tackle for us. Maybe this time next year, we could be talking about, you know, oh, 2022, we're expecting Royce Newman to break out and be the full-time right tackle. You know, that's a very realistic possibility in my mind. Um, but at the very least, I do think that we have a, a depth piece here that we can kick inside or outside, which is another phenomenal thing for us to have because we know how great the versatile pieces that we have had, uh, how, how important they've been to us, right? Elton Jenkins has played all five positions for us in the first couple of seasons. Billy Turner has been a great swing tackle for us, right? Uh, Lucas Patrick has seen in his time in the Packers uniform, he's seen time at center, he's seen time at guard, right? So... With all of the injuries, how susceptible offensive linemen are to injuries, so important to have all these versatile pieces. And Royce Newman's just another one of those guys who he can kick inside or outside. He can play probably four out of the five positions on the offensive line, possibly. So so I really like this pick once again. Again, at the very least, I think we have a depth piece here in Royce Newman. And and at at, and at, at most, at, at uh, the upside with him, I think is that uh, he could be a very solid starter. Uh, at the right tackle position, possibly our right tackle of the future, or the the near future at the very least. So, nice pick by the Packers there in the fourth round. On to TJ Slayton, the interior defensive lineman out of Florida, six foot four, three hundred and thirty pounds. What I wrote down for Slayton is best trait is his burst at the snap of the ball. You see a powerful first step for uh, for TJ Slayton. His get off is really great to watch. Uh, and because he has that raw strength to go with that burst, he really has the potential to make a significant impact in the run game. Uh, he's really able to get off the ball quickly. And then what he does is he shocks or or football term that maybe a lot of you guys are familiar with is he stacks his lineman at the line of scrimmage, reaches his hands out, gets his hands on the pad, stacks his lineman, and then uh, he has to be able to shed. But the thing is, is, is when he stacks his lineman, he doesn't at that point, because he's also so strong, doesn't allow the lineman to push him back. So he doesn't get that 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 push, right? That 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 wall moving forward that we that we like to see on the offensive side of the ball. So that's really nice by TJ Slayton to be able to do that. Um, the thing is with TJ Slayton is I don't see a lot after he gets that shock. He doesn't the 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 shed. You know, we, we see a stack and shed is what you like to call that. I don't see a lot of shedding, and I don't see that leading to a lot of production on the stat sheet. Now, it's not obviously all about showing up on the stat sheet. Disruption, disruption alone is great, but I'm just not seeing a ton of, of, of actual disruption. I'm seeing a lot of great stuff right off the snap of the ball, but I need to see more after that. Um, there wasn't a ton of finish or production for me, so... That's another player for me, you guys, TJ Slayton, where you can absolutely see what the front office saw in him when picking him, but I think he does have a long ways to go still. And, and that's something that, again, you expect that anyways from a fourth-round pick. Um, I think that TJ Slayton could be a guy that that maybe he does a line up, he line up against Kenny Clark eventually, right? And, and I think that he could be a very penetrating interior defensive lineman, maybe even get after the quarterback, and um, because he is just very... His raw ability in terms of being able to stack the lineman at the line of scrimmage, um, I think that that is something really great for us to work with and, and hopefully can make some strides at the next level. But do not expect him to be lined up against b beside Kenny Clark uh, in his rookie season. I don't think that that's, that's very realistic personally. Anyways, we're going to move on to my final player here that I have a breakdown for, that being Shamar Jean Charles, the cornerback 
out of Appalachian State University, you guys. What I wrote down for uh, for Gene Charles here, Shamar, really aggressive, ultra-confident playmaker. And I want to emphasize the word playmaker here because this is a guy where I feel like, like there's just a piece of me that wanted to say Buda Baker, but like he's not quite Buda Baker, but he's just kind of got like this twitchiness about him, this confidence and this twitchiness about him, um, this this little agility to him. Uh, and, and this playmaking ability to him where it's just kind of has that that connection for me to Buda Baker. He's got really great ball skills, meaning that when the ball is in the air, he kind of almost turns into a wide receiver at that point. Really plays the ball well, aggressively, knocks it out of the air, lots of pass breakups, um, lots of opportunities for interceptions for him. Really aggressive. You love to see that. And he's also pretty reliable as a tackler as well. Um, I really do think Shamar could eventually see time at the nickel position maybe a sub-package defender at times. He's uh, Again, he's kind of got that twitch to him. Um, I also don't know how he is as a blitzer right now, but he kind of strikes me as the kind of guy that would be really good at blitzing as well. I, I don't know. I wonder if we could experiment with him on the field in different ways because, like I said, he's a playmaker. So having him in just different areas of the field, different situations, I think that, that just maybe experimenting with him, seeing where he sticks, I think that that could be something we see from... Um, maybe in the preseason, you know, maybe if we have a preseason this year. So really good athlete. I think that, again, we could really see him eventually get some time on the field besides the special teams. But uh, what Brian Gutekunst did say in his in his uh, post-draft press conference was that the last four picks here, or I should say the last three out of the four picks here that we made, that being Shamar Jean Charles, uh, Isaiah McDuffie, in the sixth round, and then Kylan Hill um, in the seventh round. Those three picks, uh, I he made it sound like they drafted him pretty much for special teams, which is okay if they think he's going to be. A, they're go, all going to be good special teamers. I mean, we obviously know that our special teams hasn't been great in in recent memory. So um, you you know you love to see that if we can get an upgrade on the special team side of things, right? Uh, but besides Shamar, the last three remaining picks, as I just finished kind of breaking down here. Guard Cole Van Lanen out of Wisconsin. Really excited. He maybe he could be a fan favorite. Isaiah McDuffie, the linebacker out of Boston College, and then finally Kylan Hill, the running back out of Mississippi State. Those are all guys that uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens, right? And Kylan Hill is maybe one of those guys too. We've seen running backs, you know, really be able to make an impact uh, in in running backs that were taken in the later round, be able to make an impact right at the next level in some way, shape, or form. You never know. You really do never know with running backs. Like these guys are, um, they can come out of nowhere at some points. But at the very least, if we can get a, a special teams player out of this, um, that would be that would be tremendous for us. That's it for that's it for the draft recap, you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed my my breakdown here. Last thing I will say, um, if you do not follow uh, the 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 podcast account on Twitter yet, at Outside Tundra, always talking about Packers stuff there. I'm going to be trying to get some more content out for you guys a little bit more consistently now that we uh, that's the school year is wrapped up. We are going to be a little bit more free now. There's not going to be completely slammed by by homework uh, every single night. So looking forward to providing you guys some more content, some more Packers breakdowns here. And uh, also, if you do not follow me on my personal Twitter account at JFrySam, again, I think that's the third time I've mentioned that this episode j-f-r-e-y-s-a-m uh on that on that on my personal account i'm just talking about nfl all the time 
uh, everything going on in the NFL. So if you're interested in, in hearing my takes on the different issues and, and what different stories that are going on in the NFL, feel free to give me a follow there. And check out my draft, my draft kit. It's not too late, definitely not too late to check out the draft kit. But with all that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Looking forward to being back very soon for you guys. Give this uh, a, a rating and a comment if you can. And uh, looking forward to, to talking with you guys again soon. I'm Josh Fry, Sam on Outside the Tundra. We'll see you guys next time.
I'm Josh Frysam. Thank you for listening to Outside the Tundra. We'll see you guys next time.